Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Well, award season has begun you got the Emmys coming up, or depending upon when you're listening to this, the Emmys have already occurred. Normally, I like to review the Emmys and the Oscars. Well, I'm going to be unable, unfortunately, to review the Emmys here on the podcast uh, for some technical and logistical reasons. But I thought I would spend this episode talking about the award season and specifically some of my adventures dealing with various awards, things that I've won and things that I've lost. So that's the topic this week on Hollywood and Levine Award Shows. The first time that my partner David Isaacs and I were ever nominated for anything, it was a Writers Guild Award, I believe in 1977, for an episode of MASH that we wrote called Point of View. And we were up against a number of other episodes, including a MASH episode that a freelance writer came in with and wrote. And David and I did a page one rewrite. So it is essentially top to bottom our script. Well, wouldn't you know, we lost to that script. So... In other words, we beat ourselves that year. But he did uh, thank us in his acceptance speech, so great. Uh, (laughs) We were also nominated for uh, Goodbye Radar, and we lost that one too. We did a show in, I think it's 1981. There was a Writers Guild strike, either 1980 or 1981. There was a Writers Guild strike, one of many... And uh, at the time, there was a show that was going to premiere that fall on ABC called Open All Night. And it was done by a small independent production company. And some of these small independent production companies went to the guild and they said, look, we are going to be out of business if we can't produce shows and be ready to go on the air when the fall season begins. And so they made a deal, kind of a sweetheart deal, saying we will agree to whatever ultimately is the final decision. We go along with it. Just let us make our shows. 
And the guild said, okay, and gave some of these small production companies waivers. And David and I, of course, were just walking a picket line. And so the producers of Open All Night, Tom Patchett and Jay Tarsus, asked us to write a couple of episodes, which we did. This was actually a very funny show. It was set in a 7-Eleven type 24-hour convenience store. Anyway, we wrote a couple episodes of this. And then later that year, because we had a development deal at Lorimar, so it was the only episodic comedy that we had written that year. And so when it was time to submit something for a Writers Guild Award, the only thing that we had was Open All Night. So we submitted an episode of Open All Night. Now you flash forward to, I believe, March, and the show has long since been canceled. The production company long since disbanded. And we get a call from our agent, and she says, oh, by the way, guys, congratulations on your Writers Guild nomination. And we just thought she was joking, of course. And so we said, yeah, great. Yeah, we're, we're really thrilled and hung up the phone. And then the next morning when the paper came, back in the days when you still read newspapers, you know, I checked out the calendar section in the L.A. Times to see who actually was nominated for a Writer's Guild Award. And son of a bitch, it was us. She wasn't kidding. We were indeed nominated for a Writers Guild Award. Well, since the company had been disbanded, we had to pay for our own tickets <laughs> to to go to this Writers Guild Award. And they put us at a table with all of the Hill Street Blues people. And Hill Street Blues was the hot new show at that time. So there's Stephen Bochco and David Milch and all those great writers from Hill Street Blues and a couple of yutzes, and they said, so what are you here for? And we said, well, we're nominated too. For what? <clears throat> open all night. And they all looked at each other like, what's open all night? What, what the hell is that? Uh, needless to say, we lost, although... My memory of that night in particular is, for some reason that year, the Guild decided, instead of having a moderator just get up and do an opening monologue, that they would invite writers to write and perform various sketches. So they were going to do this whole vaudevillian sketch night. It was excruciating. It was excruciating, and it lasted forever. And looking back, you figure, well, who are the writers who were available to write this? Well, these are the guys who were out of work. Anyway, uh, they didn't even get to the awards till like 11 o'clock at night. We'd been sitting there for six hours already because this was a, a dinner and drinks and that sort of thing. And I always maintained that the highlight of the evening for me was losing the award so that I could finally go home. Yeah, that was exciting. We were nominated for a Humanitas Award. And this is an award given out annually uh, by some church organization 
to the show that best exemplifies the human spirit, that sort of thing. It's a very prestigious award. And at the time, uh, the winner would get to go on the Today Show the next day. So it was really a cool thing. And David and I were nominated for, I believe, Point of View of MASH. And at the time, those awards were given out at a lunch at the Tale of the Cock restaurant on La Cienega Boulevard. Well, the Humanitas Awards were the day after my wedding, okay? (laughs) So uh, my wife and I went to the ceremony along with one of our relatives. And you go into the restaurant at like 11.30 in the morning and everybody has drinks and then there's going to be a, a lunch and then there's going to be a couple of speeches and they'll give away the awards at like 2 in the afternoon and everybody leaves at 3. Well, my uh, relative noticed that all of the awards, which were just freestanding plaques, were all sitting on a table in the corner with their backs faced to the crowd. So I'm standing there having a drink with somebody and having a good time, and this relative comes up to me and goes, you lost. I go, what? Yeah, some guy from Taxi won. You lost. Oh, fuck. So now it's 1145, and I've got to sit there for the next three and a half hours. (sighs) This was day one of my marriage. Uh, But, you know, we're still married, so I guess we managed to survive that. Uh, Point of View was also nominated for an Emmy. Wow. This was the first time that we had ever been nominated for an Emmy. And we were very excited. We thought we had a pretty good chance, too. We were up against another MASH episode. This one was written by Alan Alda. And although we wrote on it a little bit, you know, we touched it up, but we weren't really allowed to change that much because Alan had the final say. So we lose to Alan. We lose to, uh, again, to another MASH script. And the thing that bothered me the most about that I will have to be honest with you, is not so much that we lost for writing, but that Charles Dubin lost for directing because his direction of point of view, that was the episode where you were looking through the eyes of a patient and we basically walked you through the entire process from getting hit on the front lines to being air transported to the MASH unit, OR, post-op, All of the craziness that went on in the camp was viewed by you in this particular episode. And, you know, we're talking 1977, so you had clunky cameras, you didn't have handheld, it was much more difficult to film something like this. And Charles Dubin did an amazing job, but unfortunately he lost I think to a multi-camera show, I think to like Barney Miller or something. Anyway, so we lost that Emmy. Then we lost for Goodbye Radar. 
And here's the interesting thing about that year. That was, again, a, a strike year. But this time, it was the Screen Actors Guild that was on strike. And as a result of that, members of the Screen Actors Guild boycotted the Emmys. So how do you do a a primetime Emmy show with no actors, no stars? The hosts that year, and it sounds like a joke, but it's actually true. The hosts that year were Steve Allen and local KNBC Channel 4 news anchor Kelly Lang. (laughs) The only actor I think that actually showed up to get his award was Powers Booth. And it was on NBC, and they were going to be premiering their miniseries Shogun in a few weeks. And so they flew over some Asian actress who no one had ever heard of, and they carted her out. That was the big celebrity. I have no idea what her name is. We lost that year, too. But the neat thing about that year was because there were no actors, they would show the writers on TV. You know how the cameras always go out and they're looking at the actors that are sitting in the audience? Well, this time they they looked at us. We were on camera for five seconds and you got to see us kind of groan when we lost... Yet another award. And the thing, too, back then, the Emmys were taped delayed in Los Angeles. That's how important the Emmy Awards were and still are, if you want to be honest about it, that it went live to the East Coast. So the Emmys began at 5 p.m. on the West, and then at 8 o'clock that night, they got shown here in Los Angeles and on the West Coast. So when you lose, then you got to excuse yourself and go back up to the lobby and back then go to a phone booth and call your parents and your friends and everybody and tell them that you lost. So, yeah, it was really great. You know, they have seat fillers for these award ceremonies. So when an actor or anybody gets up and goes back to the lobby, a seat filler will slide in and take its place. So whenever there's a crowd shot, it doesn't look like half the auditorium has left. It doesn't look like a Dodger game in the eighth inning when there's like only 52 people still left in the stands. But you get to the last half hour even last hour of an Emmy Award ceremony, there are more people in the lobby than are actually watching the show. I mean, there must have been 300 seat fillers because everybody is milling around, especially people who lost. I mean, it's really just the gallery of losers because everyone would be just standing around bitching about losing the award to whoever and uh, and then you would go to the governor's ball when it was over, unless the show had their own party. Usually those were shows that tended to win. But uh, I remember one year going to the 
party. And of course, there's people wandering around holding up their gleaming new Emmys and you're going, fuck you. And uh, the neat thing, though, that one particular year was that I was seated next to Jack Larson. And in the original Adventures of Superman, the TV series in the 50s, he played Jimmy Olsen. I loved that show as a kid. He turned out to be a really excellent writer and a very interesting person. And for me, this was this was big celebrity hobnobbing. The fact that I could hang out with Jimmy Olsen. Now we move into the 80s. And we were nominated for an episode of Cheers called Boys in the Bar. We were nominated for a, another Writers Guild Award. And the pilot of Cheers, written by Glenn and Les Charles, was also nominated. Now, normally, when a show becomes a breakout hit, or at least a critical darling, the pilot usually wins. So we figured, well, okay, we've already lost like three or four times. We're not going to win this because Glenn and Les are going to win it, obviously. And so to spend $100 for a tuxedo, to rent a tuxedo, just to sit there and lose again, I mean, we already did that. You know, we figure, well, this is kind of like Charlie Brown and the football. So they said black tie optional. So that year, David and I just wore dark suits because we figured, what the hell? So time to announce the winners Guess what? There's a tie. Yes, Glenn and Les Charles won for the pilot, and they got up there both in their tuxedos and made eloquent speeches. And me and David for Boys in the Bar. And we trot up to the stage, and I must say my partner David had the line of the night. I think it got about a three-minute laugh. David stood up there and said, look, uh, we're really sorry. We dressed for nomination only. So at least we won, which was very exciting. And what usually happens after you win is you go backstage and you take a picture with your presenter. And that year it was Tommy Smothers which was really cool for me because back in the 60s when I was just a teenager, I loved the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. And I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I sent a letter to the show offering my services as a writer. I'm 16. I'm out of my mind. I'm an idiot. But I sent them a letter. And I got back kind of a gracious thank you very much and an autograph picture of the Smothers Brothers. But for Tommy Smothers to then be giving me a Writers Guild Award, that was very, very cool. Oh, this is the best story about a presenter giving away an award. And this was years later. We're obviously flashing forward. So the year that Arrested Development won the Emmy for the best comedy of the year, uh, Mitch Hurwitz was the creator and showrunner 
of Arrested Development. And years before, he had been on The Ellen Show when Ellen DeGeneres had her own sitcom. Ellen DeGeneres is not a nice person, people. Okay, I know she comes off as just so cuddly and warm and approachable. She's not a nice person. Well, she fired Mitch Hurwitz off of her show. And guess who the presenter was that year for the best comedy? Yes, it was Ellen. So Ellen DeGeneres had to announce Mitch Hurwitz, Arrested Development, and then had to stand there and smile and hand him his Emmy. I love that story. I just love that story. Okay, so now we're kind of on a roll. We won the Writers Guild Award for Boys in the Bar. We were nominated for a writing Emmy for Boys in the Bar that year. Again, up against the Charles Brothers and the Pilot of Cheers. And as expected, the Pilot of Cheers deservedly won. But we were also nominated for Best Show of the Year. And this was a very, very important award for the show because Cheers was doing terrible in the ratings. I'm sure I've mentioned that on numerous occasions, that that we were getting killed that first year. And so to win the Emmy for Best Comedy is going to get the attention of a lot of people who were either unfamiliar with the show or had not yet bothered to sample it. So winning was a big deal in the life and preservation of Cheers. But talk about competition. That was the final year of MASH, Taxi, which had won already four years, was up for it. Newhart, which was a terrific show. Barney Miller, a show in its prime. All of those shows were competing with us, and we all thought, okay, it's going to be shooing for MASH, because MASH, in the long, illustrious career of that show, had only won one time as best show of the year, And that was season three, I believe. It was nominated every year, but it never won show of the year except for that one time. So we figured, okay, with all the hoopla and everything else, MASH is obviously going to win. And people would figure, well, Cheers is a good show. It's going to be nominated for years to come. It'll have its day down the line. So we were not expecting a win, but... We did. We won, which was incredibly exciting and unexpected. Partly we won. We found out later. The way it worked is that a Blue Ribbon Committee of Academy members would get together, spend a weekend in a hotel, and would screen all of the episodes And then they would mark their ballads, and that was it. So it was like a a one-day thing where they would watch five half-hour TV shows and make their final decision. You could only submit one half-hour. Now, the MASH finale, you figure, well, boy, that's two and a half hours. That's just going to blow everybody away. But 
they were not allowed to submit the entire two and a half hours. So they made a tactical error. Instead of just taking one of their best half-hour episodes of that season, they decided to just take a half-hour portion of the series finale. And the half-hour that they picked, if you can remember that episode, I'm sure you saw it, a hundred trillion people did, but there was like a half hour where everybody is in the mess tent and everybody talks about their lives and what they're going to do when they get home. And you spend a lot of time meeting the nurses and other people who normally were just kind of background. And it was a very nice thing to do for the show, but the Blue Ribbon Committee was looking at it like, what the fuck is this? What are, we, what are we watching this for? And it pretty much blew Mash out of the water. And so we won, which was thrilling for me because I never won anything, okay? I am not athletically inclined, so I never won Lidley trophies and bowling trophies and any of that kind of camp trophies. So this was like the first actual hardware that that I've won. And I talked about this in the very first podcast, so I'm not going to repeat the whole story, but what it is like to actually win an Emmy when you're standing up there and you're delivering your speech and you're looking out at that sea of people and they're all glaring at you because you won and they lost. And boy, I know that firsthand because I was one of the guys glaring up at the winners myself. So you win and then you get to take a picture with your presenters. And in our case, it was Catherine and Arthur Murray. You're going, who? What? They were a dance team and they had a show where they taught people how to dance on television (laughs) in like the late 40s, early 50s, the pioneering days of television. And when they were both introduced and they both came out to present the award, everybody in the audience, there was a general buzz. Everyone was going, they're still alive? What? I mean, I think they were both like 89 or 97, something like that at the time. And so Catherine rips open the envelope and it's going to announce the winner. And it's the big moment. We're all sitting at the edge of our seats. And she goes, And the winner is here. And we're like, what? Here. And we're looking at each other. And then we heard the cheers theme. It's like, okay, shit, we won. But I never actually had that moment of hearing cheers. Still, it was very exciting to win the Emmy. If you have not listened to that first podcast episode, by the way, treat yourself because it's really kind of fun. uh, The whole story of going around to the different interview rooms and then the the punchline to that. So go back and listen to the first episode. There was a movie in the late 60s, I believe, called The Oscar. And it starred an actor named Stephen Boyd. And he was this intense, crazed actor. And he was up for an Academy Award. And I forget his full name, but 
his first name was Frank in the movie. And his sidekick was Tony Bennett. Yes, Tony Bennett. It's a bizarre movie. Anyway, so there's the big moment at the end of the movie where he's nominated for an Academy Award. And they say, and the winner is Frank. And he stands up. And then the presenter says, Sinatra. And so now he is standing up like an idiot and he just starts to maniacally clap and that was the big denouement of the movie. Well, I had a similar situation one year where I was nominated for a Writers Guild Award as was Ken Aston. And that particular year, the award ceremony was in the Wilshire Ebel Theater, which is in the kind of Wilshire district of Los Angeles. And it's this giant, cavernous, musty, old theater. And we were sitting in the balcony, which, you know, kind of gives you a clue that your chances of winning are not very good because had we won, it would have taken probably 7 to 15 minutes for us to get down to get to the stage. I mean, we were above the timberline. That was a bizarre year. Uh, Joshua Logan was doing a dance number and fell off the stage and broke his leg. Yeah, that was just a great year. Anyway, Ken Eston was nominated as was I. And uh, they go, and the winner is Ken. And so, you know, I have my hands on the railings of the chairs and, and I'm ready to, you know, pop up. Ken Eston. And then I have to sit back down. Well, a couple of years later, similar situation, Writers Guild Awards, and Ken and I are both nominated And this time, they said, and the winner is Ken, and he put his hands on the arms of the chair, getting ready to catapult himself up to the stage, and it was Ken Levine and David Isaacs, so he experienced the same thing. We won that year for Rat Girl, which was another episode of Cheers that we had written, at the time I was broadcasting for the Seattle Mariners, and it was spring training. It was March, and I did a spring training game in Palm Springs that afternoon and then had to race up to L.A., and this time I rented a goddamn tuxedo. So won the award and then quickly had to get in the car and drive to Tucson to meet the team to do the game the next day. But it was very exciting to win, and we beat Seinfeld that year. To this day, anytime I see Larry David, and it has now been 25 years since we beat him for that award, if I see him, hey, Larry, what's going on? How are you? Nice to see you. Within 30 seconds... He brings up losing to us. How could I lose to you guys? How could I lose to you guys? And I always say, give me 1% of the Seinfeld profits and you can have the award. We'll, we'll change your name. It's, it's all yours. But 
it's amazing that to this day, Larry David still is irked by the fact that he lost to us. I mentioned that you take pictures with your presenter. That year when we won, the presenter was Jimmy Smits, the actor Jimmy Smits, and he quickly takes a picture with us and then dashes off and leaves. And then the photographer goes, oh, um, hmm, pictures didn't really come out okay. Can we do it again? And we said, yeah, sure. And they said, where's Jimmy Smits? Somebody said, "Uh, he left. And so the photographer said, oh, all right, then then never mind. Bye. It's like, hey, fuck. (laughs) This was our ceremony. We're the writers. They didn't even care. They didn't even care during our own ceremonies. That's the kind of respect that writers receive. So those are some of my personal anecdotes regarding award sessions. My uh, congratulations to all of the nominees this year and to all of the winners. And as I have always maintained, the great thing about winning an Emmy. Well, there's a couple of great things about winning an Emmy. Uh, The first is that you will forever be known as an Emmy Award winner, which is very cool. And then the second thing is when you watch the ceremony in later years and you see assholes winning Emmys, you can at least say, okay, but I have one too. And that will do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler and to Howard Hoffman. Want to get in touch with me for any reason? Easily done. I have an email address, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. And you can go on Instagram. I'm there, Hollywood and Levine. Have some great interviews coming up in the weeks to come, so stick with me. Thanks so much for listening. I'd like to thank the Academy as well as you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.